Our next speaker is uh, someone that's near and dear to my heart. She is uh, she's not just the love of my life. Uh, she is a blessing to me daily, moment by moment, when I'm not particularly blessable, if that's a word. When I'm being a mess, when I'm responding the way I shouldn't be, when I'm using a tone that I shouldn't, she is a gentle, quiet spirit. Gentle and quiet, but firm. <laughs> mm. But she is, she's, she is, uh, you know, I've heard uh, Pastor Farrell speak, and I'm sure that we've got many, many, many different churches represented here. I'm sure you've heard your pastors speak about how the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. Well, Sherry is a perfect lady in the sense that she is not coarse with me. She's patient. She's kind. She's gentle with the women around her in her sphere of influence, her friends. And uh, I am just so thrilled to have her speak to you today. Can you welcome the fabulous Sherry? Hmm. All right, let's have a moment. <laughs> I don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> um, I just, I am blown away. I know that I wake up, or at least I spent the entire last year, just thinking and waiting expectantly for today and for what today would hold. And to see on Facebook and to know how expectantly you all have been waiting for this too. And I don't know, listening to the worship and to Beverly and to Lisa, Passion and Compassion, Chick-fil-A, we've delivered so far, it's good. It's really good. Um, so I was thinking, you know, I love January. We have the event in January because I know that if there is one time during the year that I am determined to do something different, it's January. And I also love January because it's in January. I read the Bible every year, and I have um, one of those Bible in a year Bibles so that I get a little bit of every book every day. So that way, I'm not just reading the books I really love, but you know, I'm, I'm reading through everything, even some of those really difficult books and chapters with all those names that I can't pronounce, but I know they're really important. And Lisa just makes me want to go to the Holy Land to figure out where all those people are from and how to pronounce their names. But that's not in our budget and it's not in our travel plans yet. So for now, I'm stuck or I get to read the Bible in a year and I'll just dream about the Holy Land. And I love January because I get to start in Genesis. There's just something about fresh starts and new beginnings, isn't there? And I love how you pull it out, and, and I'm trying to get as excited about it as Lisa is. I'm glad that she said, I haven't always felt this way about it. That made me feel a little bit better, but I do get excited about Genesis. And when I pull it out in the morning, I, I pray, I say, God, show me something different than the last time I read this. Speak to me, change me through your word instead of changing my circumstances. So last week, I was reading chapter 3 in Genesis. And let me give you a little background to fill you in on chapters 1 and 2, in case that's not your favorite book in the Bible. And I love that chapters 1 and 2, it's all about creation. 
It's all about let there be, then there was, it was good. Right, God speaks and, and the world is formed and plants and trees and animals and, and all of this happens and that's the pattern for seven days. Let there be, then there was, it was good. Right, so then he forms man and says, oh, this is not good. Oh wait, for man to be alone, it's not good. Let me just get that right, okay? I don't want you guys to be mistaken. Man is good, it's just not good that he's alone, right? So that's why he forms a woman. And then he says, this is very good. And it doesn't say, but I'll add in there, it's so good I'm gonna stop creating, right? Because Eve is the pinnacle of creation, I'm done. I'm hanging up the creating thing. So then, you know, you've got these happy newlyweds. They're in this beautiful garden, this world that was created just for them. And God lays down some ground rules, right? We, all, we know about laying down ground rules. And he says, you can eat from any tree. The, you can eat any plant you want, except for the tree in the middle of the garden. And I know that you guys know what this is like, right? And he says, if you eat from that tree in the middle of the garden, it will lead to death. And I know in my house, it looks kind of like when I tell my husband and my son, okay, that salted caramel gelato in the freezer, do not eat it, right? You can eat any other frozen treat in the freezer that you want to, but if you eat my salted caramel gelato, there will be death. <laughs> I'm just saying, the girls in my Monday night group know how important gelato is to me. So Back to Genesis chapter 3, because gelato is not in the Bible. Probably should be, but it's not. Um, a snake shows up in chapter 3. So I'm going to read for you from chapter, Genesis chapter 3, chapters 1 through 6. And if you're going to your Bibles, I'm not going to tell you to go to the table of contents. You've already been there. It's the first book. It's like got to be the first couple pages in there. So um, here we go. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die kind of like that salted caramel gelato. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. I love in some versions it even says that she takes the fruit and she smells it and she rubs it against her face. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. So as I was reading that last week, a couple things stuck out to me. First was Eve knew God's word, right? The enemy comes to her and he twists it just a little bit, just enough so that it doesn't look like what God had said. But she says to, this, to the serpent, to the, to the enemy, she repeated his words, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. 
So Eve knew that God was good. She had every reason to trust him and not a single reason not to trust God. The second thing that stuck out to me was that clearly Eve was not thinking straight, right? Because she allowed someone to persuade her, to move her. She allowed her imaginations and feelings, what she saw and what she felt, to be completely won over instead of letting God's truth inform her. And the third thing that stuck out to me is I'm a lot like Eve. I'm no Bible scholar. I'm just a woman who loves Jesus, and I'm taking steps as I can to love him more, to learn more about him on this lifelong journey of trusting God. And I know that sometimes I allow my feelings and my desires and my imaginations to move me. May I be honest with you? Some days are really, really challenging. On those days, I feel a lot like Eve. The thoughts that pop in my head seem really true, just like Eve. And I'm convinced. And those days feel really dark. They feel really, really dark. In the midst of that darkness, I feel overwhelmed. I feel crushed. I feel empty. I hear the enemy whispering that I have nothing to offer. I have no purpose. I'm unseen. I'm unloved. I'm unworthy. Once I'm convinced of that first lie, the other lies become so much more believable, don't they? The darkness is uncomfortable, isn't it? It's isolating and it can be really lonely. We all need light. Light comes from, life comes from light. And we need Jesus. He is the light. Jesus gives us that light, his light, and the girlfriends who know and love him. We need friends in our lives to shine that light when we are convinced of things that are not true. We need girlfriends to bring the light of God's word to our situations, reminding us who we are, reminding me, knew that we are beloved. You are enough. You are sought after and precious. You are awesome. God sees you even in the darkness. Oh, how powerful and encouraging these words are from friends who love you no matter what. I thank God for the women in my life. And you know what? You ought to also, because if it weren't for my girlfriends, I would be at home, in bed, right now, believing the enemy that I have nothing to offer all of you. I am so grateful for the girlfriends that God has put in my life. Thank you, girls. Thank you. Bye. Ooh. That was dark. You and I, we were created for life and community weren't we? 
Because when it gets dark like that, did you notice how bright the candles were when all the lights were off? When it gets dark and feeling lonely and isolated, sometimes you need help to see. And I love that in Ecclesiastes, God tells us that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but together, two can stand back to back and conquer anything. I need girlfriends who can help me conquer anything. Why? Because yes, it happens to all of us. You're not alone. We all need girlfriends in the battle with us to bring God's word to our situations, helping us to see those difficult circumstances through God's word, to help us see the doctor's report that you just got, that maybe it's a chance to bring God glory in the midst of it. Maybe it's also so God's word can help you see the words that the coworker said to you last week. And maybe it's, it's being able to see the decisions your kids are making and realizing through God's eyes that they're not your fault. For me, sometimes, it's, God's word helps me to see my family issues and maybe your family issues in the proper context. And I know for me, God's word helps me to see the most recent argument with my husband differently. So I'm really grateful for God's word. My first adventure in a women's life group was more than 10 years ago, back in 2004. God put me there because he knew, I didn't know, but he knew the difficulty that I was about to encounter. And he knew I would need the help of two girlfriends who I did not know before this women's group. They invited me to walk through the purpose-driven life. And I had no idea that Beth and Robin would be so pivotal in my life, that I needed them to help shine God's light in my life so that I could see my life, my husband, our marriage, all of our circumstances through God's eyes. And these two women walked with me through learning of my husband's long-term adultery, his alcoholism, living with his girlfriend, paying for his girlfriend's abortion, and ultimately our divorce. Without those good girlfriends speaking God's word into me and shining his light into my life, I may have allowed the enemy to convince me that my happiness was more important than holiness. Maybe I would have allowed the enemy to convince me that I deserved better and that I should kick Scott to the curb. But instead, with God and my girlfriends, I remain convinced and steadfast to honor my marriage vows, to discover how to be obedient so that I could obey and I could trust God. I remain convinced to follow God instead of my feelings to take responsibility for my own faults and mistakes. Because yes, I made some. He hasn't always been that lovable. And it, it just my, I remain convinced that I would see Scott through God's eyes instead of my natural eyes when I wanted to throttle him for the things that he was doing. But through God's eyes, I could see him as the broken, broken man that he was who needed Jesus. And I remain convinced and steadfast to let go, to release Scott and our marriage into God's hands, come what may. So shortly after our divorce, Scott surrendered his life to Jesus. I should probably tell you that considering he's standing on the stage as a pastor. All right, so there, there was some redemption in between there, okay? Um, so shortly after our divorce in 2005, Scott surrendered to Jesus 
And Scott pursued me, and he sought my forgiveness. And I granted that forgiveness. And I sought forgiveness from him because, like, like I said, I'm not perfect. I had my faults. I made lots of mistakes. You can go online, intentionallyyours.org, and you can hear our story. And you can find out what a screaming control freak I was. It was crazy. So, yeah, I sought lots of forgiveness. Um, and we reconciled. We got counseling. We got remarried. And we moved to North Carolina. We like to tell people that our divorce just didn't work out. <laughs> you know. So I've got to say, having walked through all those years with my friends Beth and Robin, I am absolutely convinced that we all need girlfriends. A couple of years ago, I made the decision to be in a life group here <clears throat> with four other women. And I won't lie, the first couple of meetings were really uncomfortable, which is really crazy when I think about it, because my first life group one of the women didn't know Jesus, so, and I didn't know them, but at least I know these women. But anyway, anyway, it was uncomfortable. But I'll tell you, we pressed on. We decided that we wanted it. We were convinced that we needed those girlfriends. So we pressed on and we pressed in, pressed through the uncomfortable meetings, chose to trust each other, to share our hearts, share our hurts. And here we are a couple years later, having walked through husband stuff and children stuff and job stuff and body stuff because, you know, body stuff is weird, especially as you're approaching menopause. I'm just going to say that. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on. And I cannot imagine my life without these women. When I'm lost, allowing the enemy to convince me of the things that are not true, these women shine God's word, the light of God's word into my life like they were holding the candles earlier. When you share your heart and your struggles, others are drawn to you. And that's just beautiful. That's why we need girlfriends. So let me ask, do you have girlfriends? Yes. That's good. That's awesome. It's time for the rest of you to be convinced that you need girlfriends and let nothing, nothing, nothing stop you. So listen to me. Your heart is made for this. We are not meant to live life alone. We're meant to live in a redemptive community. So many of you may be asking, how do I find friends like this? Well, let me tell you. First, be a friend, right? We've heard that all the time. But yes, be a friend. And there'll be an opportunity here if you go to the bridge or you don't have a church home, we're having something called Group Link on January 31st. And we are going to launch a bunch of women's life groups. So if you are a woman and you go to the bridge or you don't have a church home, come get in a life group. Go to bridgechurch.cc, sign up, come get into a life group. It'll change your life if you let it. If you go to a different church, go start a life group. The women you came with, walk through a book with them, whether it's Lisa's Best Yes, which is what we're gonna be doing here at the bridge afterwards, or it's something else. Get a good book, get a good video series, and do that journey with them, journey through life. If you're thinking, I don't know anybody at my church, Pray, ask God boldly, ask God, show me who to ask God, and then do it. Ask those women to walk with you. You'll be surprised who will say yes. Number two, be available. If you want good girlfriends, you have to be available. Once you commit to that life group, once you commit to some girlfriends, protect that time, because aren't we bad about letting other stuff bump into the things that we want to say are a priority, and then all of a sudden they're not? 
I love that we're getting ready to do the best yes. I just walked with um, a bunch of leaders through the best yes, preparing for these life groups. And I don't know, it really just ate my lunch. I realized how many things I say yes to, which leaves me nothing, no time, no part of me left to say yes. And I'm saying no to the wrong things instead of saying yes to the right things. And I, I believe that if you do this, if you either jump into a life group here or take one back to your church, that just allow God to convince you of the value of girlfriends. Protect that time. Being available is more than just about your time. It's about your heart. To be available means you also have to be real. I mean, that's what I love about Beverly. Lisa is real. Every conversation we've had with her, I mean, what you see is what you get. She is Lisa. Um, we've got to stop pretending that we've got it all together. Our hearts are drawn to women who are authentic, who are oriented, and whose lives are beautiful messes, like Beverly. I love her. <laughs> because when you share your heart and your struggles, you draw others to you, don't you? I mean, I've, I'll tell you, I never had so many girlfriends until I started saying, oh yeah, my husband, we divorced, adultery, alcoholism, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh really? Oh, I wanna talk to you, we need to hang out. And I, maybe that's why I love the quote by C.S. Lewis, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. So there's gotta be something to that, but in order to get to that place where you're saying what you too, you've got to, Make that time to be with other women and protect that time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's time to stop hiding behind who the world, magazines, your family thinks you should be and be convinced who God created you to be and who you are becoming. Next is to be safe. It's important to be safe in life groups because life groups and redemptive communities are more than just a Bible study. They're more than just a Bible study. Agree that your group will be a safe and trusting place where you can share those deep places in your heart, where what you say stays in that group, right? You don't see it on Facebook later. And you agree not to gossip. Not that anybody does that. I'm sure there's not a single person in here who does that. But make it a safe place. Make it someplace that women can offer their hearts and offer what's going on. And be aware, Scott's mentioned it a couple of times. Friendships are opposed by a very real enemy. I mean, why do you think the enemy showed up with Adam and Eve like right off the bat? Because that kind of closeness, that kind of authentic relationship is madly opposed. And so are girlfriends. It drives the enemy crazy to see all of us come for Intentionally Wonderfully Made, doesn't it? Because we're all here, we're in a good place, we're getting the word, we're like, I'm gonna go kick the devil's but when I get out of here, and then we go back to our lives and we go back to the chores and the tasks and everything that we have to do, and we don't get in a life group, or maybe we go and we go once. No, let's really tick the enemy off and get in those, those groups. Or get some girlfriends. You don't have to call it a group if you've got like groupophobia. Just get some girlfriends. You know, let's, let's show the enemy that he's a liar. Let's show the world that he's a liar. And again, I just wanna tell you that if you don't hit it off as a group right away, stick with it. Authentic relationships take time. Next, be settled. And no, I don't mean settle for less. What I mean is, 
Being settled means being oriented, knowing who you are, where you are, and the good that God is up to in your life. Understand that life groups and girlfriends are not a substitute for God. Please don't misunderstand me in this. What you have to offer comes from your intimacy with God. So your time with God augments, flows into, makes richer your time with girlfriends. Far too many women, and maybe you've noticed it too, are walking away from the best things in their lives because we're listening to women. We're allowing women with broken, hurting hearts, hardened and bitter hearts, to speak into our lives and to convince us of things that are not true. So we've got to seek out those girlfriends who give life, and we've got to be girlfriends who give that kind of life. Settled girlfriends encourage, support, and challenge you in the midst of your difficult circumstances, redirecting you to God's word to convince you of his plan for your life as a woman, a wife, and a mother. This next one is fun. Be adventurous. I'm not terribly adventurous, so this was a stretch for me. But be open to new adventures. I'm not much of a shopper, and I'm really not much into fashion. I'd be really happy with jeans and t-shirts every day, sweatshirts usually, because I'm always cold. But there was one woman in our group who loves to shop, and she loves, loves, loves to dress people up. So we all went on a consignment shop adventure with Emily. And we allowed her to pick clothes out for us and dress us, and we tried on some crazy things. Okay, maybe it's just crazy for me, because anything more than jeans and sweatshirt is crazy. But it was awesome. We had a great time. It was great girlfriend time, and I never thought that I could enjoy spending that much time in a consignment shop, taking off my clothes and putting on other clothes to take off. It's just too much for me, but we had a great time. And I'd like to say that Emily picked this out, but I have to say that my husband actually picked this out. So... He's got a better eye for stuff than I do. Um, and lastly, be convinced. Be convinced that the God who created this universe created you to reflect his beauty like no one else. Be convinced that he loves you, that he sees you. You are never, ever, ever hidden from his sight. Be convinced that nothing you could say or do could cause him to love you more or to love you less. And be convinced that you are enough, that you are beautiful, and you are on the journey of becoming who he created you to be. Thank you.